And then my second very strong memory is my dad. Skeet and jeans. Skeet and jeans all the time is great. This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode of PodSAM, we're talking about the future and the past. We'll have Dr. Natalie Uwe of Colorado State University and High Peaks Group's Paul Tellner on the phone today to talk about the summit series and succession planning for the ski industry. We'll also be kicking off My First Mountain, where industry leaders share their stories of where they first learned to ski or ride. Before we dive into the Summit Series, we're going to be looking back at our roots. Where did you learn to ski or ride? We're asking a collection of mountain resort industry folks and diehard skiers where they got their start to pay tribute to the mountains that kicked off all of our desires to be in this crazy business. These stories are being collected as part of My First Mountain, in partnership with Snow Operating. This particular story was recorded by Sam Senior Editor Dave Meeker at the NSAA Western Regional Conference in Snowbird. My name is Brian Heon, and I'm with Wildcat Mountain. Um, How do I sign now? What about now? (laughs) Uh, When I was six years old for Christmas, uh, my entire family got ski equipment. Uh, and my mom, my dad, my brother, and I had never gone skiing before. So on Christmas morning, we all woke up to brand new skis, brand new boots. I, mean, I don't know if they were brand new. They were new to me, right? So you probably used equipment. And um, we all, on the 26th, we all left to go to Stratton, uh, lived outside of Hartford. We trucked up there, and we all had full-day ski school for seven days, and we all learned how to ski. Like you all, not just the kids. Yeah, not ju- not just the kids. My parents had never skied before. My brother was four. I was six. Uh, all day ski school. Get there in the morning, learn how to ski, French fries, hot dogs, pizza, back skiing, uh, family dinner, swimming at night, and then we did that for seven days. And, and then then what? Did you ski after that? Yeah, and that started just years of skiing. Um, the the next year we rented a house in uh, Wordsboro, Vermont, so we skied. Uh, as a family, every Saturday and Sunday, all winter long. Uh, we actually rented the home with a couple of other families, so it was kind of a weekend slumber party. Um, and it was great. We probably did that uh, for about 10 or 12 years until I went to college. So, yeah, it was great. Is that something that you think that would happen nowadays? Like, is that like, how, uh, how common do you think it is that parents who have never skied before with a 4-year-old and a 6-year-old say... You know what? We're all in. Yeah, I, I unfortunately I think it is a, it is the one percent. You know, it's it's very. I bet it's one percent of families that just jump into the sport with with two feet. But um, I, I think it was awesome. I mean, some of my best you know family memories are just you know weekend trips to Vermont, yeah. uh, getting to a cold log cabin home. Um, Friday at about seven or eight o'clock, Dad would start the furnace. We'd light the fire. Uh, you know, the house wouldn't warm up until Saturday night, and we'd leave Sunday morning to go skiing, and then shut the place down. You know, so. Um, but some phenomenal memories of just you know at night. I mean, it was a treat to go get a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream at the Wardsboro store. Like, kill it. Uh, ben and Jerry's had seconds, the seconds ice cream. So it was a discounted section so you'd buy cookie dough you'd open it up and it would be chocolate fudge brownie <laughs> you're just like rolling the dice but you know what's going to be ben and it jerry's. was it was ben and jerry's roulette 
I, mean, I think you saved probably 25 cents per pint, but it was just the excitement of getting the, you know, sometimes it would have no cookie. You'd say it was cookie dough. No cookie dough. Cookie-less cookie dough. Cookie-less cookie dough. But, so uh, then it, what do you call it then? I, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. You, you still call it the cookie dough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and now you're the general manager at Wildcat. Yeah. Yeah, so I took skiing um, from my Stratton Mountain experience to um, high school. I raced um, through all throughout high school. I raced competitively in college. Um, and then uh, ever since college, I think I've probably skied at least 80 to 100 days a year for the past 20-something years. So it all started with our first trip to family trip to Stratton Mountain. I'll learn how to ski. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Mom and Dad. I like. I, I wonder what inspired him. I, I still need to ask my dad what inspired him to, at the age of 36, who had never skied, take his wife and two kids to Stratton for seven days and just learn how to, how to ski. I think that that's, I mean, what, what a, That'll be on the next episode of Pot Sam. That's right. There you go. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Now that we've taken a trip down memory lane, it's time to jump ahead. If you've listened to PodSan before, you should know what the Summit Series is. If you're new, welcome! We all know that the mountain resort industry is full of passionate people. We have no lack of that. But the trial-by-fire method of training is no longer sufficient as resorts are no longer just selling a means of conveyance up to the top of a mountain. The Summit Series is a leadership development program designed to foster relationships and dialogue between the current leaders and the up-and-comers about the new challenges of being a leader in the industry, management skills, and things they wish they had known as they were coming up through the ranks. In the second year of the program, Sam welcomed 10 mentees and 9 mentors, plus a very special guest mentor. Each week, they gathered for a phone conversation on various topics such as growth, communication skills, sustainability, or the future of the industry. We'll be sharing those conversations on PodSAM and in the pages of SAM Magazine. If you haven't subscribed to both of those yet, you definitely should. And don't worry, we'll remind you about that at the end of the podcast. The Summit Series couldn't happen without our sponsors, Leitner Palma and Mountain Guard, and without the two people we're chatting with on this episode. We'll be hearing from our mentors and mentees in future episodes of PodSAM, so today we're taking you behind the scenes. First up, Dr. Natalie Uwe. Natalie is an assistant professor and the program director for Colorado State University's Ski Area Management Program. She serves as the deep dive advisor on the Summit Series, providing materials and feedback for our mentees that allow them to get a broader view of the topics discussed on each of the calls. The resources are pulled directly from Colorado State University's courses and include PowerPoints, video interviews with ski area leaders, and exercises that allow the mentees to deep dive the subject matter of each call. In a word, they get a taste of ski area academia and the graduate certificate program in ski area management at CSU. The focus of the Summit Series and the ski area management program at CSU is on developing the next generation of leaders. You've spoken at the NSAA events about succession planning. Why do you think it's important for current ski industry leaders to focus on succession planning and training this next generation? I think it's a great question, and I think there's a a number of answers to that. I mean, first and foremost, I think we can all recognize that the industry is really, you know, currently in this process of change. 
And by that, I'm particularly referring to the fact that, you know, the skiing industry in the U.S. isn't that old. Um, a lot of our current senior managers, you know, were kind of there at the very beginning. And they're at the age where they are retiring out now. And there is that question of when they leave, who is in place uh, to sort of step up to the plate and become the next senior manager, the next GM, the next CEO. Now, also sort of, I think it's really important that we look further down the line as well and look at that sort of supervisor level and middle level manager um, level and sort of see, well, who do we have in line for those positions as you know, the middle level managers are stepping up. And so I think it's really important for us to look at what skills and competencies we require in the ski industry and how we can best train this next generation of leaders um, in these skill sets, but also recognizing that they have different perceptions, different ideas, um, different innovative and creative solutions some of the problems we're facing in the industry, like things like uh, conversion, retention, um, changing demographics, changing consumer tastes um, and expectations and so forth. And if a ski industry leader were to come to you and say, I know that my next generation of employees are looking for something different than what we've offered in the past, how would you recommend that they go about identifying some of those different experiences or, you know, things that uh, the next generation are looking to get out of their long-term careers? Traditionally, ski areas really haven't focused on the softer skills associated with management and leadership. Again, we we measured talent and, you know, future potential really more just based on current capabilities and skills. And often these are the technical skills and operational skills. But this next generation value communication, they value um, empathy and emotional intelligence and a lot of these softer skills that traditionally weren't seen as being as important and if we continue to ignore those um, and not specifically look to, to really nurture those talents and skills amongst the next generation of leaders, I think what we'll find is that a lot of millennials um, and Generation Z will look to other companies that provide really nurturing environments, the ability to work in teams, the ability to have mentors and um, have career pathways and growth plans um, and, you know, clear pathways for future success. I think millennials are going to be choosing those kinds of organizations, especially if we get a look at the context of the environment ski areas are working in today. A lot of millennials, a lot of Generation Z have much higher levels of debt previous generations, they're looking for jobs that will provide them with greater economic security. And with the seasonal nature of ski areas already being sort of challenging in that aspect, if ski areas cannot provide talented millennials and talented Generation Z with at least a clear pathway or direction as to what their future could look like if they stayed with a particular ski area or even within the industry, I think ultimately we will we will lose a lot of that talent. Scariers recognize that it's really important to get people to come back and try the sport, even if that individual person never comes back to their particular resort. It's a good thing for the industry as a whole. And I think we can argue the exact same thing with leadership development. The more attractive we can make the ski industry as a whole the place to work for, 
the more likely that any individual skier is going to be able to attract a higher level of talent. I guess we don't want to be in a situation where we have people to promote and move up to management and leadership roles in the future, but they're not necessarily our first choice. And we want to make sure that we're retaining the best talent. Sorry, my dog just stepped on my toddler's toy. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about it. My dogs interrupt these things all the time. <laughs> I was just like, what is that? Um, yeah, sorry. So what I was saying, I don't know where I stopped there, but yeah, the more attractive, the, the more ski areas that get on um, to improving their leadership development, the more attractive the industry for the next generation as a whole, and the more likely we are to retain the best talent. I guarantee you have someone on your team who could benefit from the opportunity to dive deeper into ski area management. And if they don't have the time for the full program, not to worry. You can take classes on an individual basis. Learn more about Colorado State University's ski area management program at colostate.edu. No group conversation is complete without its facilitator. With that, we're jumping over to Paul Tallner, the program advisor for the Summit Series program. Paul is the CEO and founder of High Peaks Group, a consulting firm that helps leaders and organizations tackle the tough people challenges. Paul was an integral part in the development of the Summit Series program and is the facilitator on each of the calls, as well as serving as an advisor to our fantastic group of mentors. Paul, can you give us a little background about yourself and what you do at High Peaks? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. I am a, I guess the way to describe me would be uh, a long-term uh, organizational development specialist and executive coach, person who's fascinated with the way organizations and people change in order to be more effective and to achieve business goals. Uh, I've been doing that for about 20 years, helping companies and individuals really optimize for performance. And that's what High Peaks Group does as well. Uh, with myself and a group of associates, we work around the country to um, work with executive teams and other leaders to uh, help them really zero in on, on the kinds of things that are going to make a big difference for their teams and for their organizations. So if I was a ski area leader and we were dealing with the upheaval of all of the consolidation in the industry, I would call you in to help with our executive master plan? Definitely. Uh, executive master plan, not just from sort of a tactical and, and sort of uh, from the execution side, but also how to think about it from the people side as well. Because, you know, we all know that, um, you know, the upheaval doesn't just affect how we structure our businesses, but uh, it does affect how we approach our work on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are uh, working hard to, you know, get the job done, but also secretly a little bit worried about what it all means. One of the things we've been discussing across the industry is succession planning and that preparing the next generation of leadership to deal with all these challenges that the industry is facing now is a huge part of that. The Summit Series is one effort to kickstart and drive that conversation. Paul, can you tell us a little bit about your role in the Summit Series? Sure. My, my role is to uh, really engage the mentors and mentees in this conversation that, uh, that's really specific to the industry, 
but also helps the mentees uh, think about new ways to grow and develop their careers. Um, I take a, a, a little bit of a um, facilitative and interviewer, interviewer kind of approach where uh, really want to tease out some of the stories and lessons that some of these mentors have had and, and their experiences over the years that really are uh, common to leadership and also uh, unique to the industry. What are you most excited about for the upcoming season of the Summit Series? <laughs> well, there's a lot to be excited about, and I really do find the, um, the anecdotes and personal stories that these leaders bring to be uh, particularly impactful, not just for the mentees and, you know, as they think about their careers going forward, but um, it's it, I think there's a lot of really great lessons generally that these leaders uh, offer that we can take into our work life and even our, our home life uh, that, that is just, um, I think, to me, uh, pretty exciting and, and really, really interesting. And then switching over to our mentees and future leaders of the industry, what would you say to them as they prepare to take next steps in their careers? There's a lot of great advice that they will get in this series as well, but I think to prepare for the series itself, I would say uh, be open uh, to really uh, take a step back, be clear about why you are interested in this. I mean, there's certainly a personal motivation, my guess is, for most folks to advance and accelerate their individual careers but also taking a step back to think about their contribution to the community of leaders that will ultimately inherit the industry uh, and, their, uh, and how to build that network and build that community up. Because we, we saw last year in some of these conversations that, these, um, that the mentors really did rely on other people, uh, other leaders uh, from other ski areas and other uh, organizations to really support them through their careers and to give them the wisdom that they used in their work. So I think that's my advice to this group is to think beyond just oneself and think about the fact that they're part of a becoming uh, more integrated into a community of, of future leaders in the industry that they will need and rely on uh, over the decades to come. We'll be hearing more from Paul as he facilitates our group conversations in future episodes of PodSAM. Learn more about Paul and High Peaks Group at highpeaksgroup.com. Wait a second. We have to do one more of my first mountain story. This one was recorded by Associate Editor Sarah Wojcik at the NSAA Eastern Regional Conference in Killington. I'm Adrian Saya Isaac. I'm the Marketing and Communications Director at the National Ski Areas Association. Adrian, where did you start skiing or snowboarding? I'm a skier. <laughs> I've tried snowboarding three times. I'm abysmal at it, so I am a lifelong skier. I started skiing at Big Boulder in Pennsylvania, Eastern PA. And uh, yeah, I've been skiing since around, I don't know, three or four years old. What did you consider your first home mountain? Was it Big Boulder or somewhere else? You know, I think Big Boulder always has this place in my heart. I do claim Blue Mountain in Pennsylvania because that's where 
I, uh, as I got older, my friends and I would go skiing. Um, and then my Colorado home mountain is Arapaho Basin. That mountain has my heart. Yeah, I was just there last weekend, so <laughs> great mountain. Um, who taught you how to ski? I was definitely in lessons. I think my parents passed that off very early. Um, but my uh, skiing, skiing beginnings were kind of cool. My mom works in risk management, and Big Boulder was actually one of her clients. So she would take me up when she was going up to do some inspections and, and get recommendations, and she would send me out with Ski Patrol <laughs> for the day. So uh, shout out, listen, Bob Reedy, who was the director of Ski Patrol at Big Boulder, if you're listening, thank you for all those uh, snowmobile rides, and thanks for telling me to make turns and skiing control. And uh, I want to let you know I've done good in the industry, and you kicked that off, so thank you. Okay. <laughs> Share one of your strongest memories from your early days on skis. I I have two. My first one is my first time on skis, and I must I mean I must have been a little little kid because I remember looking down there the skis that you strapped over snow boots, and they were orange and blue. And I remember standing in my ski school class and just crying, just sobbing, sobbing like mad. I don't remember what came of that, but I obviously overcame it. And then my second very strong memory is my dad. Skied in jeans. Skied in jeans all the time. It's great. Uh, his rear entry boots that were probably older than him at the time just exploding in the parking lot and him having to rent new equipment, I think, for the first time in his life. Uh, and that is a very <laughs> fond memory um, because it was cool. No one cared about what they wore, or, you know, and getting new gear wasn't a thing. It was just this real social chill experience and um yeah those are two things that just stand out as a kid okay you skied in the 80s a little bit <laughs> early 90s right um do you have that one accessory that was like loud that remains in your memory that you're either embarrassed about or super proud about <laughs> my mom i became my mom's size in fifth grade and she had this onesie sick it was these tight it was tight black pants, but at the waist, high-waisted. It poofed out into this um, uh, just fluorescent pattern, like fluorescent camo pattern. And I thought it was so cool. And I had a fanny pack. And, like, I'm just going to say, I had some. I had some style. I think you were winning in the style department then. Oh, my gosh. Total, totally winning. I mean, should have brought that out west with me. If I didn't, you know, grow six more inches, I would have <laughs> held on to it. We'll be sharing more stories on saminfo.com and here on PodSam. Want to share yours? Visit saminfo.com slash myfirstmountain and tell us where you learned to ski or ride. Have any awesome or embarrassing photos to go with it? We'll take those too. That just about does it for this episode. Be sure to follow along to the Summit Series by subscribing to Sam Magazine at saminfo.com slash subscribe and by subscribing to PodSam on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSam advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaf, and thank you for listening to PodSam.